Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Let's Talk Recovery. My name's Aaron, this is Caleb. We're just grateful just to have you guys back with us again as we just uh, continue this journey we're on. A couple things before we get started. Uh, I just wanna remind you guys that first and foremost, if you have any needs at all, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, uh, we'll give our contact information at the end. Um, and then be sure to check us out on the social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, like, share content, give phenomenal reviews, thumbs up, all the good stuff. Um, YouTube's a great resource. We actually break down all of our videos and things into different categories there just to help you to navigate stuff that, that speaks to your particular season of life. And then hopefully you've found the audio version of this and you're listening on your favorite podcast channel. And so be sure again to, to just give us great reviews on that, share it with your friends, your family, as we continue just to grow the platform and, and the reach of this ministry. And then lastly, I just wanna encourage you to, uh, the first several episodes we did were centered around Pursuing Freedom, the book that Caleb wrote that, that we've um, grounded all of our, uh, that's the basis for what we do here. And so be sure to get your copy on Amazon. Again, that's Pursuing Freedom by Caleb Spryder. And that'll help you, you know, as you follow along through our first several episodes. And, and it'll help you just find freedom in your life and to get over those things that you struggle with. Um, today, though, uh, we've got an exciting topic. Um, it's one that is uh, very prevalent in our society today in a negative way. Um, I think everybody's life's been impacted by it in some form or fashion. And it's one of those things that, that it are, it's incredibly uncomfortable because people are often in denial on this, but we're gonna talk about codependency and enabling. And so our hope is to break this up over two episodes. If we just kind of keep going, that may not be the case, but uh, that's kind of what we're looking at <laughs> and getting started. And so codependency um, is that is that roadblock for so many people, I, I would say that it's probably more prevalent in, in our female listeners than our, than our males, but, but men are equally um, just subjective to it. And uh, man, I, I know in my life, man, my, my grandmother is probably the, the biggest codependent <laughs> that I know. She loves to, to just gather us all around and, and feed into us. But, but Caleb, will you just kind of break down what is codependency for, for those out there who've maybe never heard that term um, or um, just don't have a, a solid foundation in it? Yeah, so um, I'll have to, to credit psychology today because if, if I ever rip something completely from somebody, I'm gonna at least give them some credit, at least for the first few times. Just move a period and then that's, you just keep it. It's that's yours. right. <laughs> that's how it works, right? Yeah, so um, I, did, I just pulled this off of, off their site, but Codependency is a um, it's a dysfunctional relationship dynamic where one person assumes the role of the the quote giver, um, sacrificing their own needs and well-being for the sake of the other person, which is the quote unquote taker. Um, and so, and then, you know, a lot of times the we see this in. Um, kind of romantic relationships, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, that kind of thing. But it doesn't always have to be that way. So it can also be parents and children, um, friends, family members, and so on and so forth. And um, actually, they, they code, the, the, the word code, codependency or this um, kind of condition was first kind of identified in uh, uh, addictive uh, families or, or relationships. So somebody who has an addiction, that's where they started to notice that there was a partner that was codependent on um, the person that was uh, addicted. And so that's why in, in the recovery circles and in addiction circles that we see a lot of, um, where we hear a lot of the word codependent, and it's not actually technically yet a kind of diagnosable um, 
psychological condition. Um, they've, they've kind of tried it. That's how prevalent this thing has become and how, um, how impactful it has become on some people is that they've, they've actually made an effort to uh, include it in what they call the DSM, um, which is kind of the, the book that has all the diagnosable psych psychological issues um, that people have. But uh, it, it is still a, a very, very much a part of what happens in addiction and recovery groups. And so um, basically what it is is that it's uh, in codependency, it's when somebody, um, they, they rely on that person with the kind of addiction. And so what they, their, their issue is that they have to fulfill the needs of the person um, that has that addiction. And so they um, are always doing for them or they, um, you know, at, 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 at a detriment to themselves. Um, and so, uh, it, um, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this, but, um, so, so they almost need to, to kind of go through a recovery process themselves because they're equally as, as affected just in a different way, but they're equally as affected by addiction. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it is one of those things, you know, when you look at it, you, like I said, you have the giver, you have the taker, um, neither are in a healthy position, uh, in a codependent relationship. Obviously you have one person that's kind of typically would almost be more domineering, I would say. Right. Yeah. Not. Taker typically. Um, but, um, then you've got the giver and so they're, they're sacrificially giving everything like Caleb said to the detriment. And then you've got the taker who is <laughs> taking sacrificially to the detriment of that person. So neither's in a healthy place. Um, and we see this, I mean, very often in abusive relationships, this is um, very prevalent. It's a lot of what you see acted out. Um, the taker, I think, more often than not, um, gets labeled narcissist, probably incorrectly. Um, um, it's such a that's such a heavy term that we throw mm. around a lot. Um, but the characteristics are, are kind of similar in that it's a, they're very me centered, and and they're gonna they're gonna get what they need from that person. Um, sometimes we see this even to the point of death you know that person's just they've given all they can give and and they ha they can't give no more you know and it's it's such an unhealthy thing on, on both sides of it and if you if you question whether this is real just come hang out in some recovery groups for a while um or maybe you've uh maybe you're the giver uh, <laughs> you're, you're in denial because yeah. we see that a lot too it's like oh no it's fine yeah you know, he, he loves me Right. <laughs> well, that's actually, you know, a characteristic of, that's <laughs> of, of somebody who is the, the giver is that they, they can't be honest about that situation. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, almost if, especially if somebody has been in, in their addiction for a long time and it's pretty severe and they're with somebody, chances are it's a codependent relationship because I mean, yeah, I mean, we've been around people who, in, uh, we've been around enough people who have been in severe addiction that, you know, you, there, in order to, to be in a romantic relationship like that, then, you know, there has to be some sort of, some level of enabling or codependency because that person, the, the, the person who's suffering with the addiction is um, so me-centered, so, I mean, almost non-functional. And that's what the, the role of the other person is, is they help them to function. Um, so we can talk about a little bit about the characteristics of those codependent relationships. So. Um, we can kind of start to identify those things. So one of the, the first things to, to be aware of is that it tends to be familial, meaning that um, it, it had, you know, like you had a parent that was, you know, your parents were in a codependent relationship. And, and, and the reason that they see that is basically that it's, it's a learned behavior. So, um, you know, 
like Aaron was talking about, typically the, the codependent people are, are females. And so, you know, if you had like an alcoholic father and the mom is the one who's always taking care of him or making sure everything is held together, or making sure that, you know, when you go out, she's the one that made sure that everybody, you know, put on the nice, happy plastic face kind of thing and made sure everybody thought that the family was all put together. Um, and so at growing up in a, an environment like that, that you learn this is how, you know, women are supposed to behave in this relationship. And so then again, this, you know, a, like a daughter will come out and thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to just put up with this, this behavior from my, my spouse or my romantic partner. Um, and that's you know, obviously not what's supposed to happen, but that's why we, we tend to see history of uh, a family history and somebody who's codependent. Yeah, I think in that too, they, they typically have something that they've um, latched onto. It's just like, well, I've got to do this because, well, he's, he's a really good man, he loves me, or, or he provides, or, or there's something that they've convinced themselves that they're getting. So they have to give 110% of all that they have um, because of this one little thing right here that they can't live without. That, that That's the thing that they, they hold up, that's their treasure. Um, pearl great value type of mm -hmm. thing that it, it's this um and and i know in my my own family man it's been um generational um and, and very prevalent in a lot of ways and of course addiction's been very prevalent in my family and like you said those things typically are um one and the same they they journey together you know they're they're battle buddies we we're kind of talking about that <laughs> <laughs> offline a little bit ago but um I very rarely see them absent of one another, um, though they can be, but in our society, that just seems to be the way it is. So, I mean, if you come from a family of addiction, um, then I'd be begin to pray for discernment and really lean into this because it's very likely that this is in your, your circle and your family and it's been there the entire time, but your eyes haven't been opened up to it um, because it is something that takes place um, so, so often, especially and families that that are ripe with addiction and uh, and struggles with substance abuse. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the thing um, with relationships. Just to chase a little bit of a rabbit is that, you know, we that's that is where we learn how. To, a lot of times, that's where we learn how to do romantic relationships. Is what we saw modeled to us uh, as children from our parents. Um, so if your parents, you know, screamed at each other and fought. Uh, all the time, then you're going to have a tendency to do that when you, you know, you're going to have had that same struggle with conflict when you get into your relationship or, um, you know, if you like said, uh, had a, uh, addictive co codependent relationship modeled to you, then you're going to have a tendency to do that. I was blessed to have, you know, two parents who, um, modeled a very good relationship with us. Uh, and so, you know, I always thought, well, this is how I'm going to have my relationship. And, um, so those, what, what we see is what we, what we do a lot of times. And so, yeah, if, if you're coming from that, you're going to be a little bit more kind of predisposed to model those behaviors. So another characteristic of codependent relationship is typically there's some sort of abuse is present. So physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Um, you know, so this is, uh, <clears throat> the person with addiction is, is telling the person, you know, that's codependent, you know, you're you know, you're not good, you're not, you know, verbally, you know, degrading, that kind of thing, or again, physically abusive. That's a, I mean, obviously an addiction that, that can definitely be a thing or sexually abusive. Um, so if there's, um, like I said, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, I mean, that, one, that one's pretty self-evident. Um, 
one person in the, in the relationship usually has an addiction problem. It doesn't have to always be that. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second about the characteristics of a giver. And so some people can just have that nature about them. And so that's just kind of the way they, they again, they saw that behavior modeled. And so they don't have to be in a relationship with someone with an addiction to, to be codependent on a person. Um, and like I said, we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, and then they usually don't acknowledge problems exist in the relationship, right? So, um, like I was talking about before, like the mom that always tries to make sure everybody looks looks good when they go out, so nobody thinks anything's wrong. You know how you know, you know, hey, hey, Mrs. Jones, how's everything going? Oh, it's fine. Everybody's fine. The kids are fine. The husband's fine. Everything's everything's great. It's just that emoji with the dog at the table. Everything's burning. He's like, it's fine. Everything's fine. And um, but yeah, they they are very much in in a in kind of a denial state with the with the person that's with the addiction. Hey, honey, can you go pick up your dad? He had just a little too much to drink tonight. Like, yeah. Mom, doesn't he have too much to drink every night? No, it's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We'll take care of him. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. I mean, there's they they don't think there's anything you know kind of abnormal, or maybe if they do, they suppress that you know anything abnormal about how their family dynamic is operating yeah. and um, as long as they can keep it together when they're in public everything's fine yeah you know that's kind of their their thing <laughs> Anything on that on that? no I mean it is just uh, again I just uh, it's around you and so again wherever you're at just uh, just open your heart I mean because even if you don't fall into this and I hope that you don't uh, somebody around you probably does and so this gives you an opportunity to either be ministered to or to minister to the people around you as we just kind of um, just endeavor to break these cycles um, get people free of it help them to, just to see the reality uh, because that is kind of the, the first step in any process is, is somebody recognizing it so one you need to recognize it or two you might have the opportunity to help somebody else recognize if they fall into this and so as uh, that's kind of the overarching this is what codependent relationships look like. And like Caleb said, we're going to move in, into looking at um, the, the two aspects because you do have a giver um, or you have the other side, the, the taker. Um, and so um, we want to look at first the characteristics of, of the giver. And and typically, you know, they, they present themselves as the victim in that. I mean, and they, they are victimized in a lot of ways. And so um, the, the giver is the person who's um, being being robbed or, or everything's taken from them or they're, they're willingly given up so um, what are some characteristics of that yeah so the, the first one is uh, and that's typically very prevalent is, is low self-esteem and this is what you were talking about a little bit earlier is that these people have very low self-esteem and so what they're trying to do is you know any sort of um, acknowledgement or recognition for anything they do is just that's their addiction right they, they because they feel so bad, poorly about themselves that you know anybody who pays them any sort of attention even if it's a negative type of attention they, they crave that and so <clears throat> which is puts them in a prime position to be in this kind of kind of relationship because you know the taker um you know they 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 see somebody they can take care of and you know even again even if it's negative the the attention they're getting um, it's it's attention yeah. and so it fulfills that their need to improve you know their uh, it helps them with their low self-esteem because they're getting attention from somewhere 
Yeah, so, I mean, so with that, I mean, let's let's walk this out as love. Maybe um, they're they're in an abusive relationship, and and their their spouse is maybe physically or sexually abusive. But but every now and then they lean in, and they're sweet for this moment in the week. Well, that person with the low self esteem, they latch onto that. Mm-hmm. They they don't feel worthy of love. I don't deserve love. And on this day, three weeks ago, um, they 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 really showed me that they cared. And and so that's enough. To, to give them what they need in that, and then they'll put up with all this other abuse because they don't think that they were worthy of any of the love to begin with or, or any of the good things. So this one one trinket that they were given um, has convinced them that, that everything else is worth it. Um, maybe it's, you know, again, financial care, and, and this their spouse is, is caring for them in a significant way or, or just giving them just enough. It's like, nobody else would care for me, mm-hmm. but he does. And so it's okay that he doesn't come home all weekend or, you know, that he's drunk off his butt or, or, or that he hits me or that he hits our kids or that he does this because he's, he's paying the bills and, and I don't deserve to have anybody do this. I don't have to work. I get to stay home. So, of course, yeah. he can knock me around a little bit or whatever. And he said he was sorry last time yeah. and he <laughs> said he wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah, and so it's just this low self-esteem, it's, it feeds in and so it allows somebody to convince themselves that these bad things that are happening are okay because that's what they deserve anyways. And so maybe that's you. If you feel like you deserve something negative in your life well that's a lie um, that that's not that's not true it didn't line up biblically um, you know we were redeemed by God right we're loved we're his children and so if you, if you feel this way I mean that that's a that's a flag it should be a flag for you so begin to to, to look inward um, to evaluate where you are in your self-esteem and to make sure are you falling into this category where you're letting people walk on you um, and, and you're being a giver and they're, and they're taking from you because you've convinced yourself that you're not worthy of love that you're you're not valued or, or anything else yeah so one of the other next characteristics is um, we touched on this earlier was a history of family dysfunction so again if they've come from a, a history or a family that you know, they modeled this or whatever, then there's going to be a tendency to do that themselves. Um, another characteristic is perfectionist tendency. So again, um, especially more in a, um, an abusive relationship where, so, you know, I've got to make sure the house is perfectly clean so I don't, you know, get hit or I got to make sure, you know, I, I look a certain way because that's the way he wants me to look or I've, and, and that plays into self-esteem also, uh, low self-esteem. Um, so the, somebody like that, they have like I said, perfectionist tendencies. They're, they're really concerned about things being or looking a certain way, mainly because they don't want to upset their partner or they're, you know, they're trying to meet the expectations of their partner. Um, so that's one. Anxiety or stress. Obviously, if you're always worried about things being perfect or you're worried about being abused or, you know, you're going to be under, this person's going to be under a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Um, so that, that's one thing to watch for. Uh, they struggle to say no. Obviously, that's a, a you know somebody with addiction who's always wanting more or disregarding them or wanting you know their their needs to be put first. Then then this the the giver person is going to be you know just going to go along with it. They're not going to put up a boundary and say no, or they're not going to protect their their interests or what's good for them also. And so they're just going to go along with whatever. Are you are you saying say. boundaries are a good thing? Yes. Oh man. So there's a, there's a saying this high fences make good neighbors, you know, so <laughs> good boundaries make good relationships too. I mean, like, oh. you know, you can't just walk all over each other typically. I mean, yeah. So I mean, unless you're into that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
so yeah, I mean, if you if you find yourself in that 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 place where you can't say no, again, boundaries are a good thing. And why can't you say no? Is that something that you've placed on there? Has your spouse or or you know the person that you're in some type of relationship placed that on there? And you just need to give me everything I want. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. Boundaries are healthy. Um, Caleb's wife does not hesitate to tell him no. Yeah. <laughs> my wife doesn't hesitate to tell me no. That's that's a good thing, right? That we need we need that. I need that in my relationships, not only um, romantic, but the people I work with. Um, Caleb doesn't hesitate to look at me and say, "Dude, you're stupid. No, yeah. we can't do that." I try to do it daily. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I need it daily. <laughs> <laughs> But those, that's a characteristic of a good relationship. Um, the no conflict, you know, because that, that say no, you know, ties into low self-esteem. Um, I just, I can't say no, that's gonna create conflict. Conflict in, in relationships is bad, that's a lie. Um, conflict's a good, it's a productive thing. It's, it's something that, that we need, it grows us. Um, mm-hmm. And it lets us know that things are healthy. Healthy conflict is a good thing. So if you always find yourself in a place of, of feeling like you have to avoid conflict, Again, those are red flags. Red flags do not indicate carnivals. Um, it's, I don't know, a lot of times that's what we think. I, I saw all the flags, I thought it was a party. Yeah, no, no, not a party. No. Um, it's, it's, it's a sign, yeah, it's a sign out. from above <laughs> that, that you are in dangerous territory. Um, right. Even if your flags aren't red, maybe they're colorful. Doesn't matter, they're right. bad, they're bad. Flags are bad. Yeah, yeah, no, and you know, and like we talked about before too, the, uh, especially in abusive relationships where we say, you know, we hear that so much where you know especially with the women that are physically abused and like well he said he was sorry he said he didn't mean it, he won't do it again and then he does it again and a lot of times those things escalate until serious things happen and, and and our inability to say no and to to get out of that situation it, when it starts to happen versus when it you know has es- now it's it's incredibly dangerous and now we're you know now we're we're saying no because we fear for our lives and that kind of stuff we so so saying no is, is good and and being very clear with something you know along those lines of the boundary like you know you, you lay a hand on me we're done that's it like there's no there's no second chance with that there's no there's yeah. no that that's 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 a hard line boundary that we should have um so yeah we definitely need to <clears throat> in that context for sure do better in that area and saying no and, and and nobody should ever be treated that way yeah but um, one of the other characteristics then is uh, feeling the need to always be in a relationship or fear of abandonment. Now we see this all the time in recovery. Yeah, if you have another boyfriend before, you know. Or girlfriend. Or girlfriend, yes. Men 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 do it too. Equally on this one. Yes. Um, Um, Bounce around. But before you, I mean, if you've got a, you know, another romantic partner before you've even sent that I broke up with you text, like. like good good night like this this goes but this goes back to low self-esteem you know it's like you're looking for somebody else to validate you because you you don't have enough sense of self-worth and well i'll throw this out here if you can't make it a year um there's an issue like yeah yeah if you you can't take a year off if if that if that creates fear in your life and you're just like oh that's too long you're not healthy you're not healthy enough to be in a relationship if, if you can't walk that out um, and that's just the truth and you, you could argue with us all day long on that but but you should be able yeah. to journey come at me bro yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll argue that <laughs> yeah it's just you're not in a healthy place I don't care who you are if, if you're bouncing around and it's just there's something wrong there and you need to address it you're, you're not healthy and you need to you need to arrive at a place where you are because it's it may not be desirable 
to be alone, but you should be able to, to make that journey and to function. And if you can't function alone, you shouldn't expect to be able to function in a relationship in a healthy way. Um, that's just the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's we, we've talked about that before in that uh, a good relationship, a good romantic relationship, you know, you're giving 100% and, the, and your partner's giving 100%. If you no, can't... both come in at 50, right? Yeah, 50, 50. Well, I don't know. It just depends. Yeah. Maybe 30, 70. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I won't make any more jokes. <laughs> she listens to this podcast. I can't. <laughs> I'll hear about it. Um, but yeah, like, so if you can't be 100% on your own, you can't bring 100% to a relationship. Yeah. And then you're going to expect that person to fill that whatever percent you're you're coming up empty on. So, yeah, if, if you, the idea of being by yourself just terrifies you, like, we need to do some work, you know. And that's we talked about. That's one of the, some of the later lessons in the book is that we talk about finding our, our value, worth, and purpose in Jesus Christ. That's where you become whole. And that's the problem. And this is why people jump from relationship to relationship. Is you have, as you know, C.S. Lewis calls it, that God-shaped hole in your life. And you're looking to fill it with something. And you're filling it with, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever your struggle is, or with romantic relationships. If I can just be with somebody, they'll complete me. And no, God made you complete. You know, God made you uh, who he wanted you to be. Now, you know, obviously in Genesis, uh, God says that, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. But, you know, Adam was Adam was whole when he made him. God didn't like, oh, I, I forgot. To, I forgot. I forgot a part, you know, like. Um, Actually, I mean, if you want to play it out biblically, Adam was so complete. God took from him. That's right. He had extra. <laughs> he had extra. <laughs> extra rib. Um, Give away. It's like an appendix. Like here, just take this part. I don't need it. Oh yeah. Um, but no. So so yes. So. Well, I think in this too, you know, we we wrap we wrap our happiness up so much in the people around us, and that's kind of where this feel for for need of a relationship romantically. What is kind of what we're talking about specifically on that, or that fear of abandonment. You know, obviously, you know, we need to have friends through all of this journey and those people that are healthy around us. But, um, you know, we've we've wrapped up our happiness so much in the people around us. Like, we need to journey with people, and that makes us better, and that grows us. And and marriage has made me a better man. Um, and all of those things were okay. And and I have a need for my wife. Um, I can function without her, but right. I have a need for her. There's something that she does there, but I'm not incomplete without her. I'm complete because I have a relationship with Jesus. That that completed me, that fulfilled me, and, and, and that that's a standalone thing. Me and Jesus, we're tight, right? And and, and I'm a I'm a I'm a hundred percent there. And I can one hundred percent have the joy and the happiness that I need. Uh, I'm one hundred percent fulfilled. Um, I, I know my identity completely in him and, and none of those characteristics um, do I need somebody else to help me to identify or to fulfill, fulfill or to complete? And so that's the context that right? we're talking about um, in this. And so if you're looking to friends to, to, to do that for you, you've fallen into this category. They don't define who you are. They're, they're, not, they're not there to, to make you happy or to fill you full of joy or to tell you who you are. And if they are, this is you. You're in red flag territory. You need to identify that. You need to recognize it. You need it about face. Um, if you're a parent and you rely on your children for your happiness, this is you. Okay. I'm going to say that again. If you're a parent and your children are the center of your world and your happiness, you're, you've fallen into this and that's not okay. You can't do that. You need, you need to be healthy as a standalone 
individual person in Christ. And so wherever we look, spouse, friends, co-workers, if those people are completing us and fulfilling our needs that God fulfills, then you have fallen into this category here and you are, are codependent and you need to, to, to work through that. Yeah. Well, that's actually that, you know, at the beginning, I was talking about the definition of codependent and I said that it doesn't have to always be a romantic relationship. It can be a parent child. And that is actually how a parent child codependent relationship will manifest itself is that the parent has to have their children you know take care of them or they you know they they rely on their children and so you can have that you know that codependent dynamic between a parent and a child which is obviously unhealthy yeah, we see this uh, a lot in single parent households yeah a ton yeah and i think it's really easy to fall victim in that because you know you had a, a partner that you loved and then you know, that relationship splits and so you still are looking for that fulfillment um and so you start to look to your child and and again um maybe you you identify your child as your best friend. Flag, that's flag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the, nope, they're not. Don't that, get me they started be, on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna get into some bad territory here, but uh, or good, however you want to look yeah. at it. Uh, oh my, oh <laughs> but, but those are bad things. And so, in single parent households, I see this so much, yep. just, just all the time. It's incredibly unhealthy. One, you've crippled yourself, and two, I mean, you're damaging your child that you claim to love. Like, mm -hmm. you're screwing them up. Like, let them be an individual yeah. and a person apart from you. And you know what? One day, I'm real close to my dad as an adult. As an adult, he is he's my, he's a friend. My dad is a friend. Um, and it's in a healthy manner now. We're adults. It, that, that's okay. We can do that. But as, as a child, I was not my dad's friend. I was no. his son. He was my father. And, and it was within the bounds and the context of something healthy there. And so, I mean, we yeah. need to... <laughs> Imagine if you're out at like the community playground and there's like... A, a, you know, a 40 year old guy and a kid and you're like, Oh, is this your son? He's like, no, this is my, this is my best friend. Yeah. And this uh, is, yeah, this, this old guy is my friend. Yeah. 911. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we would, everybody else would be like, Oh my gosh, what in the world? But you know, in the context of family, like, Oh no, this is my kid's my friend. No, yeah. no, they're not. They're, my best they're, friend. they're your child. Yeah. I tell them all my problems. That's right. Yeah. And this is where the familial, <laughs> you know, development of, of codependency happens is that you're conditioning your child to, uh, have to, to be, you're conditioning your child to become a giver. Um, and that's what's happening there. And so, no, that's not good. Um, but, you know, I'm back on the, I'll touch one more thing real quick on, you were talking about, you know, on the romantic, romantic relationship, us being, you know, um, complete in ourselves. You know, there's, there's kind of three different types of relationships. There's, you know, a good, the, the one we're shooting for is a synergistic relationship, meaning that by ourselves we're complete, but together we're better. Um, and then there's the kind of a symbiotic where, this is what we're talking about, where you're, you're incomplete and they're incomplete and you're trying to fulfill that need with each other. And that's, I mean, it's, I mean, all right, it's not going to work out as well as it could. We don't, you know, we don't want to do that. And then there's the, you know, parasitic relationship where one's feeding off the other. And this is the codependent um, dynamic we have, or, you know, where maybe you're in an abusive relationship or that kind of thing. But, but, you know, a, a good romantic relationship should be synergistic and that, that by ourselves we're okay, but together we're better. Um, so, Anyway, uh, the last thing on the characteristics of a giver is that we confuse, they, the giver will confuse love and pity, okay? And so what, what I mean by that is like, if you're looking at your husband or your wife or your romantic partner, the same way you would look at that uh, abandoned dog at the, the dog compound before you go and adopt it, you know, like, oh, that poor guy, he just needs some love and attention and I'll just bring him home and we'll clean him up. I'll fix him. And, and he'll, I'll you fix know, her. yeah. yeah 
they they think that's love and it's not it's pity you feel you feel bad for the dog and you want to you know you want to take care of it and you want to and that's what we see in the codependent relationship is that you know well he just you know he just can't take care of himself and you know without me he just wouldn't you know he just wouldn't know what to do and you know I, he just he just needs me he needs me and and that's how i know he loves me no that <laughs> that means he's a, a child and he, um, he wants you to be his mother yeah, you've adopted an adolescent <laughs> yeah that's it and so um that's what we see though is that they they confuse those two things the, what they think is, is is love is actually pity and they feel you know they feel sorry for them especially in their addicted state when they're you know hungover or high or whatever when they can't function they're like oh you know that's that's the epitome of of the giver like oh he really needs me because he can't get himself to bed you know laying passed out on our you know drunken passed out on our couch here i've got to get him up and get him and, and do my duty as as his wife or as the husband or whatever and um you know so that that is a that that's a big red flag there like yeah. i mean we even see it kind of with the protector role i mean which that that can fall into this pity category where yeah. well i've got to i've got to protect them they they do this and so i'm going to cover for them to protect them um or they can't do this so i need to step into this role and i need to guard them and protect them and it's the same type of thing um that we can easily fall into even on that where um they 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 shouldn't need you <laughs> in that sense for everything now i mean there's a healthy role i don't want to confuse it i am my wife's protector my wife can protect herself but as a man you know there's a role I, i'm meant to fulfill but at the same time my wife doesn't absolutely need me like in that sense i should fulfill that role because no she's I'm, packing yeah so. she is packing yeah don't mess with my wife <laughs> um, but uh you know so i i step into that role because i'm called to not because my wife needs me to right. um she she can she can do for herself and so um just learning just to navigate that and and not confusing love for pity it it is such a an easy trap to fall into and again you know through all of this a lot of what we're we're giving um as far as you know giver characteristics that does lean heavily female because that's the more prevalent role of women because well men are dbs and they're more of the like aggressive i'm gonna abuse people around us so just if you're a woman and you're like ah oh, they're just being sexist up there no like men men are more the butthole like they're, they're <laughs> taking from everybody yes. um so just to be fair there that um women just have softer hearts <laughs> right well i mean yeah I mean. <laughs> and they tend to to be that way and guys are typically more aggressive and um are and you, parasitic so are you trying to say that there's a difference between genders there is a difference between what? genders yeah um so that's you just kind of i know or, i am i don't bigot. know what it is but <laughs> <laughs> so just just yes. to lay that out there we're not we're not trying to beat up on women um in, in that that's just the reality yeah and and it, it, it does it comes from a characteristic that god has given women to nurture and to love the people around them and to care for them and, and that's a great characteristic of women when it's done biblically and healthy and, and men they fall into this other role that's you know we're we're meant to be more brash and, and more aggressive and and that's really great those characteristics can be really great we're meant to be protectors in the right place yeah. in, the, in the right place in the right context but this codependency is when we've skewed that we've skewed the role and the call of God and, and we're missing it and, and we're not we're not doing it correctly we've allowed our flesh or the world to dictate that and that's where codependent relationships begin to manifest right yeah and, and yeah just to echo what Aaron said I, yeah we don't want to we're not bashing the ladies because but, but it's just in this in this particular circumstance 
the dynamic typically is 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 more you know the women are the givers because again god i mean just made you that way you're which is which is good but it's just it can be taken advantage of and and but i mean i it does happen with me i know i know i know i know at least one guy off the top of my head who who does that so um and it's not anybody you know so don't don't be trying to figure out who that is but But I, I've just, I've just, know, I know enough people that are in this situation that I know that's, but, but yes, in, in all my time doing this, absolutely, I mean, 95% are women are, are the givers, but because it's just, that's the part of your nature that can be, that when taken advantage of creates this situation. So, so let's talk about now is codependency the same thing as enabling? Because a lot of times you hear those, um, those terms will be interchanged um, and the, the the short answer is yes and no um, so people who are codependent the givers uh, they are enabling but not every enabler is a codependent okay and so what we're talking about is codependents are in a relationship that is there's an imbalance in that relationship and that like I said at the beginning where there's somebody who is primarily a taker and they have a the um, codependent person is a giver so if that person's struggling with an addiction and the um, the giver constantly is helping them maintain that addiction that's enabling right but you don't have to be uh, in a in a relationship to be an enabler so we we see this a lot in the church because typically we try to be nice people yeah. <laughs> and so anybody that's nice can actually inadvertently be enabling or I mean even sometimes you talk to people and they're like yeah I know I'm enabling them but I just I just don't I can't you know I just don't want to say no or you know so so they're you know and enabling is you know just like if you know somebody's you know has a, a severe drug addiction and you know they, they can't pay their bills because they're they're pay- using all their money to go buy more drugs and you just keep giving them money and then, you know, they don't show up with a new car or a place to live or new clothes or look like they've done anything with their personal hygiene. <laughs> They're taking your money and spending it on drugs. <laughs> and you're you're helping them do that. And you're trying to be nice and you, you have the best intentions. Your heart's the, there. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that's, that's nice that you're trying to be nice, but you need to be nice to somebody who's not taking that and, and you know, destroying them their, themselves. So, um, yeah, enabling can be anyone that's just trying to be nice and that what you're doing is you are helping that person fall into or continue on into whatever their addiction or their struggle is. So, um, you know, one thing we were talking about earlier and we'll probably talk about it some more later is that, you know, like parents, you know, if you have a, an overweight child that you, if you keep going to Walmart and buying, you know, little, yeah, little Debbie's, and you're just like, I don't know why they're overweight or why they're struggling with, you know, they're pre-diabetic or what it's like. Well, it's because you, you, because you just keep, you can't tell your child no. And you just keep giving them things that are making them healthy and, and you're damaging their health. Like, stop, stop yeah. doing that. You're enabling this, this situation. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's enabling's hard <laughs> because uh, no matter how you look at it, because it is wrapped up like especially in the church we, we wrap it in this blanket of love and we've convinced ourselves that we're doing the right thing and on top of it other people have pressured us um and especially as, as a church staff member it's it's really 
fine line to work um, to walk because you know then people say well the church is supposed to be loving and the church is supposed to be this and um, and so we we get pushed into this this category uh, of enabling and it is incredibly uh, unhealthy it's incredibly damaging and we're we're not actually doing the right thing that's what we're convinced of we're convinced that we're doing the right thing um, as we enable and again givers enable so if you're in that codependency you're enabling and, and what you're doing is you're damaging the people around you as you enable them um, to do the stuff that they're doing and, and it's hard it's not easy I remember the this is the last time I ever uh, got went to jail and so um, you know my parents had they'd kind of enabled at one point and then towards the end you know they had realized that they they really needed to, to stop um, and they weren't huge enablers in the beginning but there was definitely this unhealthy place and the last time I went to jail um, I was trying to get bonded out and I had money even like to get my own bond um, but my parents were like yeah, no no enough's enough like you're in jail you've done this again figure it out and I was just trying to get them to take my bank card and go withdraw money <laughs> to pay a bondsman my own money but they came to this conclusion they arrived at all right um do we want our son in jail absolutely not um it and but is that the best thing for him right now maybe and so that they arrived at that if we do this it's enabling his behavior if we leave him here there's consequences it's hard to, to watch people we love and care about walk out consequences it's not fun but it's best and enabling saying like well, we need to protect them and so we've we've stepped in with enabling you've stepped into i i need to do this for them they can't do it for themselves and and that's where we're navigating and that's where we we fall into that codependency with enabling yeah well and that goes back to um what we were just talking about the characteristics of a giver is that we confuse love and pity and so and that's what that's what's happening with enabling is that we feel sorry for them so we do this thing but here's the deal if we love them, we're going to do what's, like you just said, we're going to do what's best for them. All right. Now, if they, sometimes what's best for them, they can't see that, you know, especially if they're in the throes of addiction. So, you know, again, giving them uh, money to, that they're going to ultimately go buy more drugs with is not doing what is best for them. No. That's pity. I feel bad for them. I feel bad that, you know, they don't have clothes or whatever. And, you know, and yeah, the church, you know, we have people come all the time that we, we help in certain circumstances, in, in limited circumstances, but we also put a limit on that because we know people that are in addiction are, you know, will be, who have no desire at the, at the moment to come out of that can be very manipulative and they, they will play off of, you know, pity. And again, even as a church, we have to be like, okay, you know, this is our, our fifth time that we've, this person's come to, to, to get help and we've you know we've done these things and we're not seeing any changes and so you know are we doing what's best for them by continuing to help them and sometimes you know i hate to say it but sometimes the best thing for them is to eventually hit rock bottom because that's what turns them around you know and nobody wants that to happen i mean my goal with our program and what we do is that we catch people before they do that and we we help get them back on the right track but if you've been in addiction or recovery ministries long enough you will talk to plenty of former addicts or people that are in their recovery active recovery that have told you that well i finally hit rock bottom and that's when i decided i've had enough yeah and that's what turned them around you know we would love for them to, to learn that lesson before they get there because rock bottom is no fun um, for anybody that's hit it. But it, it, that's what it took for them to finally come to their senses and finally make a decision to change. And um, again, we would love to, to not have to do that. 
but for some people that's what it takes and you know by preventing that you just allow them to continue on into to their addiction and you know the, the, again with addiction a lot of times that you know it, it will continually get worse because you need more of that thing to, to get the same high and um, eventually if, if you prolong that eventually it's something that kills you you know and that's because you, you've just hit a threshold that you, you're taking in so much to try to get some sort of effect out of it that it, your body can't handle that and so again enabling in that in that circumstance is not doing what's best for them that's not love that's pity and we have to be able to discern the difference between those things anything else you want to add on that yeah um this is a saying came to mind i think it applies we'll see but uh it's just good to keep in mind that uh and i love this it's uh, love without truth is is meaningless like you know so when we come to these um these relationships and, and we look at enabling that if we're just loving people and there's no truth there no consequences no justice um that's just meaningless we're not we're not doing anybody any good and then the same flip slide you know the flip side is you know truth without love is just mean and so we need to, to find that balance in our relationships to bring things and bring things into you know the order that god's intended them to be and um we need to to love people, absolutely. Um, and so I get that, that's the argument a lot of times with people in codependency is they wanna hold up the love, that's, I'm just loving them, I get it, keep loving them. But you know, you also need to, to accompany that love with, with truth and, and what's right and um, you, you've gotta walk both lines at the same time. You can't just walk one, uh, neither one of those is healthy and that helps bring just our relationships uh, back into the alignment the way God's intended them to be. Um, and again, we know this This is hard um, hard to digest. Um, it's it's likely that, you know, here at the end of this conversation, you're like, all right, this is prevalent in my life, or you just realize that it's prevalent in, in somebody's life around you. Um, just if it's you or it's them, begin to pray about it, begin to navigate it, begin to to, to seek God's word on and what does healthy boundaries look like, what's a healthy relationship look like, and begin to, to take steps to fix this and correct it. There may be relationships that, that you need to, to end. Um, that's just the reality sometimes, and that's not a fun place to be, but, but it's required that, that we have these hard conversations, that we take hard looks in the mirror, um, and, and that we do these things um, to, to really pursue what God has for us next. And, and remember, God's will is perfect, ours isn't. And so if it's your will that you stay in that, doesn't mean it's best. Um, we need to really seek what God would have for us moving forward. Yeah, no, that's good. And so um, I think we're gonna end this episode here and what we're gonna do next week is, is we're gonna talk about what do we do if we find ourselves in that situation. So. We're just going to leave you feeling miserable, I guess, for a week, and then we'll <laughs> come back and tell you how to solve hey, it. But <laughs> week in prayer, yeah, just be praying, just be no, praying for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean that, that, that's the thing. We're so we're going to talk about next week. We're going to go through some things you can do to help yourself with that. But yeah, if if you are in that situation now, what I like what Aaron said is like one, especially if you're codependent, you know, start just becoming aware of it is a good thing. Starting to think about boundaries that you can set, um, praying. Um, surrounding yourself with good people, support a supportive network. These are all things you can start doing in the, in the, in the meantime. Um, you know, and if you're enabling people, uh, the thing is to, I would, the number one thing I would tell you to do is to start try to gain some discernment between the difference between pity and love. You know, I, and it's hard to say no when you're, when, 
you're just a nice person. See, I'm not a nice person, so this has never been a struggle for me. No, so I I'm good too. <laughs> I just like no, no, I don't. Want to. I have but, to be careful not to be a taker. So <laughs> yeah. So you know, as an enabler, you know what you need to start doing is to again ask yourself: is this is this actually best for them? Is this the best thing for them? You know, is um, you know if I'm just giving them money is are they going to use that in a, in a way that's actually beneficial to them you can give them things without you know like if it's um well i'll just use this example so a lot of times you know you'll see you know uh, people uh, asking for money on the corners of you know the street and that kind of thing you don't know exactly what they're using that money for but uh, i've heard of people with it, what they'll do is they'll go to mcdonald's and buy you know gift cards and they'll take those and they'll hand those out so then you know you're giving them something that they can use in a positive way. I mean, as positive as McDonald's can be. But I mean, at least you know that they're the gonna hopefully- might be better. Yeah, <laughs> it might be less damaging to the body. But you know they're gonna take that and use it, hopefully use it, in a, you know, to get food, right? So it's versus just giving them 20 bucks and then go use that for, for drugs, you know? So that's a way you can look at things and say, okay, well, you know, maybe instead of giving them just money that they can use anywhere, we, we give them something that they actually need. You know, you give them clothes or you give them, um, something like that that'll help an actual an actual need that's not you know I, I need more drugs <laughs> yeah well I, I know it's me you know in the position I am I have people reach out to me all the time and um, you know you arrive at that place of discernment it's like all right I'm not benefiting them in this sense and so they'll I'll have people call me hey can you do this and I counter no but I can do this I can give you a ride to church I can give you a ride to uh, yeah. the rehabilitation clinic I'll, I'll take you out to lunch but I'm not gonna do that, that's not good for you. Um, oftentimes they hang up and they don't call me back, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, did I do anything wrong there? No. Um, no. Was it a difficult conversation? Yes, even as mean as I can be, that hurts my heart to, to have to do that to somebody. It's not fun, but it's what's best for them because the thing they're asking for isn't gonna change their life yeah. for the better. And actually what they need is more people like that to do, yeah. do that thing for them. So that is one thing you can do this week as enablers is to start telling people no, yeah. or say no but, no yeah. but I can do this. Yeah. Um, find something that's beneficial to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thank you guys for hanging out with us today. And uh, we know it was a difficult journey, but thanks for sticking it out with us as, as we talk about um, codependency. Just a reminder again, we're gonna pick up right back here next week with part two of this, um, with um, some steps and some resources on uh, what to do if you find yourself in this category. Again, we wanna reiterate, be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, your favorite uh, podcast channel. And give us likes, thumbs up, reviews, comments, shares, all of the, the good stuff like that just to grow the content and the reach. Um, and then again, be sure to pick up a copy of Caleb's book, Pursuing Freedom, off of Amazon just to kind of journey with those first episodes especially and to begin taking um, positive steps in your recovery journey and finding success over the struggles in your life. And then if you need anything at all and you're like, I, man, my, I need help now, we get it, reach out to us, um, we're, we're available. You can call the church office at 918-283-2221. Um, you can email me um, or us at info at cedarpoint.church. We would love just to help you to get some resources in your hand. Uh, have a conversation if you're local, we'll go have lunch with you, whatever we need to do to help you as, as your journey in this. Just uh, but don't, just remember, you don't have to do this alone. Um, otherwise, you know, again, we'll have, we'll have the rest of this next week, but we love you guys and we'll get you right back here next week. Thank you.